Hey, you're listening to Timothy Robinson on the new Numa Godcast. Please make sure you tune in every week to your host, Norman Brown. And please make sure you subscribe for further episodes. God bless. What's good, New Numa family? Do you subscribe to or believe in what we discuss on New Numa Godcast? If you do, while I got your attention, hit that subscribe button. It'll mean a lot to us. Peace. This is Ken, and you're listening to New Numa Godcast, the urban voice of Christian podcasts. Kicking something new every week. Subscribe today. So first of all, um, I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast, man. It's a privilege. Yeah, so I just want to say that, um, you know, I just recently kind of heard about you. Okay. Um, I've been hearing your name floating around, and I knew that, and excuse my voice because I'm kind of dealing with something with my my own. It's all good. Um, But I've been hearing your name floating around for a while, Mm -hmm. and um, I knew that you were a worship singer. Mm-hmm. and things like that. I knew you were traveling around the world and whatnot, but I really didn't know a lot about you. Yes, sir. So this is kind of like my introduction in a way to who you are and whatnot as well. Okay. So, but I I know that anybody who's a friend of Chris's is a good guy. You right. Know? So yeah, that's not even a question, you know? Oh, yeah. So, but um, I guess I want to just say, first of all, um, today my guest on the podcast is Jason Lee Jones. And um, <clears throat> he was here in Maryland for an ordination service at Generation Center. And, you know, we discussed having a, um, a podcast interview mm-hmm. on today. So, um, so I guess I'll just start off by saying, like, tell me, tell me a little bit about, like, where you're from. Like, what, what, what was it like for you um, growing up and stuff like that? Okay. Well, I am... Um I'm 49 years old. I think you are too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. Yeah, we got that in common. So yeah, we got a lot of. We were driving in the car late last night and, and just uh, talking about you know um, music we used to listen to. Yeah, things we enjoy. Five and out. Being, being <laughs> the same age and yeah. growing up at the same time. I um, you know, to give you a little window or lens into who I am and why I am who I am. I. Uh, when I was nine years old, my mom had a car accident and it left her paralyzed from her neck down. Oh, wow. So overnight, everything changed. And um, the night before my mom's accident, my stepfather, I never knew my real father um, at that time, um, my stepfather beat me like all night. Wow. I was sitting at a table and I was eating, but I had my fork, I was holding my fork wrong, right? So I wasn't holding, I was kind of, the fork was in my hand for those who are listening, like I was squeezing it, not holding it correctly. You know, he came over, literally squeezed my hand on the fork until it cut my hand open. Wow. Then he kicked me in the stomach and uh, it was, it was crazy. But when, you know, when, when my mom got home, it ain't no game. She was like, "Uh uh-uh, and they fought all night. But the next day, she has an accident. She's left paralyzed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to grow up really fast, Yeah, you know? Um, I did all the cooking, all the cleaning, 
I washed her hair every night. I brushed her hair every night. Um, I had a little sister, one years old at the time, so I ended up raising her. Oh wow! But then, meanwhile, I'm, I'm doing all that for my mom. But then my stepdad would beat me almost every day. I'd go to school with black eyes, and he'd pull a knife to my throat. You know. And Wow. He'd even put bullets in a gun and play Russian roulette and tell my mom he was going to kill everybody and leave her to deal with it. You know, wow. he, he was he was miserable. Yeah, you know. Um, hmm. That's just my reality. I have nothing against him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that really shaped me in my life and yeah, who I, I am. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, because of that, I had to had to go through a lot of transformation of my mind and a lot of dealings with rejection and abuse and, you know the whole the whole thing you know and when I was I guess 15 or 16 I started uh, I was a rapper mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> my rap name was uh, J Love okay my wife still calls me J Love to this day <laughs> and um you know, we would we would meet in front of the school, we'd battle, and I was telling yeah. you last night I was the beatbox guy, so yeah. I'd get in the corner of the bathroom so you get the good yeah. good bass. And so I had this uh, rap group, and uh, and um, but there was this one day where this sweet Baptist lady saw me saw me walking down the street with my sister. Because um, every day when I'd get home from school, I would have to do laundry. So I would put the laundry in a, in a, a, a grocery cart, mm-hmm. and I'd walk to the laundromat. Yeah. And I can I can imagine to you know onlookers that looked pretty crazy. This little yeah. skinny boy, you know, walking to the laundromat, yeah, yeah. and um, with his little sister. And so they stopped for me, bro. Mm-hmm. They found out who I was. They found out what was going on. They started picking me up every Sunday for church. And then when they found out that I did all the cooking for probably, I don't know how many years, for probably, wow, I mean, maybe even four or five years, I forget, every week, twice a week, Four or five years, they bring a home-cooked meal to my house. Wow. Never missed a week. Hmm. And Jesus is just that that incredible. Yeah. You know, they stopped for me. They And they didn't just, like, stop for me. They got directly involved in my life and literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they started taking me to youth camps and church retreats. And, and so there was this one retreat, man, where, I mean, I, I had already accepted Jesus. My my uh, grandfather was a gospel singer. Okay. He played on the Grand Old Opry. And, hmm. I mean, so I had, through him, I had, but at home, I had nothing. Hmm. I mean, I was, you know, I, w- I would walk home from school and picture myself throwing myself in front of a bus, like, constantly yeah um it was just that miserable you know but then jesus Mm -hmm. yeah and so 
there was one church retreat, and I don't know if you may know this woman's name, it was a, a Christian singer named Babby Mason. Um, sounds familiar. Yeah. So uh, I had this rap I had written with a friend, and um, and so I just encountered Jesus, and I got up, and I even opened up about what was going on at my home, and in front of this whole like youth conference, and and I changed the lyrics of that rap, and they had a talent show. <laughs> so I walked up to Babby Mason. I didn't know she was a Dove Award like Christian singer. I had no clue who she was. I was like, "Hey, you sing amazing. Would you would you get in the talent show with me?" And she did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. And so we. Uh, that's kind of how that started. And then I met who's now my wife of 28 years. I met her a year. So I'm going through all this, and then I meet her a year after she had just gone through a full bone marrow transplant. And what I mean by that is full body, you know, radiation. Oh, wow. You know, uh, she was given three months to live. Wow. So I met her a year after her transplant. Mm. And we've been together ever since. We dated for four years, been married 28 years. Wow. And so our second date, I think it was, second or third, she took me to a Christian rock concert. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had just, I had just changed the lyrics of that, and I'm mm -hmm. talking a few years here, but I had just started thinking that way, you know. Was it Striper? No, they were, <laughs> they were like that. It was okay. kind of a hair okay. rock band, you know. Yeah. They toured with, um, they did things with David and the Giants and all those yeah. guys. And, and this guy got up and preached the gospel. And he said, there are people in other countries who will risk their life to tell people about Jesus, but we won't. We're ashamed to tell our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, boom, that's it. So the next week, we started <laughs> our Christian rock band, if you will, mm -hmm. in my wife's front yard. And I always kind of joke when I tell this because I'm like, we were horrible, but we love Jesus. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah. laughs> you know? But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And we just kept leaning into Jesus. We just kept going after Jesus. We just kept learning who he is and his nature and his character. And still, I was, you know, in the worst scenario at home, you know, and she she was still, you know, coming out of leukemia. Yeah. But we fell in love and we kept writing songs and preaching the gospel and dating and falling more in love and you know, for us, what we do isn't about ministry. It's an overflow of, of who we are. Yeah. You know, and and so then we, uh, yeah, graduated and um, started, you know, working. But I went to Bible school at night, mm -hmm. and we'd work during the day, and we'd go to Bible school at night. And it was a whole season when, where my wife and I, the Lord would tell us to go to church. It like it was either five or six in the morning. I mean, we did that for a long time. Every morning, the weekdays, we go together and pray in tongues and we worship Jesus. And so much was birthed in our spirit in those times. And and I remember uh, one service where our pastor of the time um, had them had the church on the back wall. On one side, it says taking Jesus, and to the other, on the other side, to the nations. 
So I remember like sitting there and I wrote in my Bible, I want to lead worship in different languages and different nations. <laughs> and how would that ever happen? Yeah. I mean, I'm cleaning houses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's working at the bookstore. Mm-hmm. You know, we both came out of such really hard situations. <laughs> how is that going to work? But we just kept writing songs, and, and and then we started leading worship for the youth. And it was, I mean, we did that for years. And then from there, we started leading worship in prisons, and from there, in juveniles. And, and then the Lord started telling us to rent parks, and we would rent parks and just, just you know, play our music. You know, now I have a grid for what we were doing. Back then, we were just doing what felt natural. You know? yeah. Now I know we were releasing the sound over over the nations. So, you know, the question I have is, how did mm-hmm. you discover your gift as a singer or even, you know, writing lyrics and stuff like that? Because I know for me, when mm-hmm. I was in school, it was a teacher of mine mm-hmm. that saw how I wrote something that okay. I had as a paper or whatever. Right. And she told me, she says, you know that you, you're a good writer. You need, you need to pursue that. And I was only like 11 or 12 years old at right, the time. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. You know, and then I started to kind of be aware and, mm-hmm. you know, periodically I would write some poetry or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how did it happen for you? Um, silly, but... You know, again, my my grandfather, he's not silly, but what I'm about yeah, to tell you yeah. is uh, my grandfather was, a, you know, a singer and a songwriter. And I've always had melodies in me. So I think I was, how old was I? Six or seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. The first song I remember writing, and I know I had already written more before then, but the first one I can remember and I'm, you know, I'm little six, seven-year-olds. I started singing, Love is like a leaf falling from the tree, baby. You never know. I mean, I, mean, I, I was a kid, but I was like, Love is like a leaf falling. I don't know. It just, just kind of flowed out of me, you know. And even um, I remember writing plays when I was in third grade. Wow. <laughs> um, Regina and I have now written through... Uh, two full musicals we have a broadway musical that we've been writing for over 20 something years um we did one for christmas called love whispered and the whole thing was told in spoken word you know poetry and music yeah yeah and um we've just uh i don't know you know i I can't explain it i just and that's the thing with me like i if i'm in Brazil, um, I've learned the songs in Portuguese and I know what I'm singing. I wow. sing, I've released probably, I've released or have been a part of at least seven or eight records in Brazil, mm. all in Portuguese. Wow. Um, that's really where our music is mostly known. Yeah. Um, but then when I'm in Africa, mm. you know, and I learned this going to the juveniles and the prisons. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's cross-cultural, yeah. you know, um, ministry, if you will, mm-hmm. where you can learn the language and you, you can learn the culture and you can learn um, what excites them. Mm-hmm. And then you can wrap melody around that. What more beautiful thing to do, yeah. 
you know, I'll never forget when the Lord was teaching me a lot about um, this, to wrap language around it, if you will. I'll never forget, I was watching a Lionel Richie, I guess it was some kind of songwriter interview, and he was like, what more profound thing than to wrap melody around your heart's convictions mm. and have a, a place that you can share that. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I um, I can't remember a specific thing, but I just remember always writing songs or musicals or, or stories. And then, you know, then I told you I became a rapper. And and then, um, then we started our Christian band and, you know, just was writing songs from what we were experiencing in Jesus or, or even what we were experiencing in of course, I told you how broken we were. A lot of my songs were pretty depressing, <laughs> but uh, but it came from your gut, yeah. you know. And I think that's so important. Whether whether you're talking ministry or whether you're talking in the world, yeah. Um, I stop and listen when I hear someone speak or sing with conviction, even if I don't agree with what they're. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that that's coming from their gut. And sometimes I think as the church, we've missed an opportunity to minister to people because we won't listen. Yeah. And if we stop and listen, then we can hear what's behind it, you know? And so, mm -hmm. so where are you originally from? Savannah, I know you're yeah, Savannah, Savannah Georgia. Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So, because every time I hear Grand Ole Opry, I think Nashville. Yeah, it is Nashville. I think it's okay. Nashville. I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I guess your grandfather was traveling back and forth or something like yeah, that? Well, he, he, he was, he, he, okay, he was born in Kentucky. Okay. Like he, um, he, he wasn't playing the Grand Ole Opry when I knew him. Oh, it was okay. when he was younger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He even worked on Elvis's motorcycle. I mean, he, <laughs> he's got some stories, wow. you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So basically it sounds like you have a heritage of artistry in your family. Yes, at least my grandfather. Yeah, at yeah. least your grandfather. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this then. Was your your mom, was she a Christian when you were growing up or? Did she... I, um, I, she, she had an encounter with Jesus later. Mm -hmm. She, you know, the scenario I was in at that time, none of my, you know, her nor my stepfather were serving, you know, Jesus mm -hmm. in at that point in their life. Um, I'm certain she had had encounters earlier. She believed in the Lord, but she wasn't. Um, it's not for me to say whether she was or wasn't, but the lifestyle in my home was not that. It was, yeah. they were smoking pot every day, drinking every day, um, you know, so my reality was not that at all. Okay. So at what point, like, did you, um, I know that you said that, that one lady Mm -hmm. saw you going down the street and whatever, but had you, you hadn't had an encounter with Jesus before that? I had, I had. had yeah, I had, because my grandfather would take me to church when I was okay. with him. Okay. And he'd even, he'd even say that I'd get up and I'd testify. I don't remember this, but he, wow, okay. he said I'd get up and want to preach. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't personally remember that. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm just gonna be real. I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I think it's just yeah, it's you know, like you blocked it out. It's just trauma. But um, yeah. you know, but no, that wasn't my reality. There was this one youth camp I went to that I know. That's the one I said I got up and I even changed the lyrics to my song. 
And I, uh, and then meeting Gina, you know, my wife, she drew me into, you know, such a deeper realm of, of who Jesus is and, and, um, you know, and together we've, we've walked together since then, you know, so. So what, at what point did you, I guess, I know that you said you went to school you study stuff mm -hmm. uh, like theology or something or mm -hmm. whatever, but what was it that prompted you to do that? My hunger for, for Jesus. Okay. Yeah, we, I was offered a full scholarship. I also play trumpet and I was offered a full scholarship for trumpet um, at a, a college in Savannah. Mm -hmm. And I, I went there for a while, but it just wasn't right. Yeah. And so we had this Bible school open in Savannah, you know, and at night we had, I don't know if it was, I think it was maybe three nights a week or something. I, I don't remember, but we would go to night school and study the word and just study Jesus. And, and as you do that, then, you know, I always tell people, people will say, well, how do, how do I know my calling? You know, how do I, how do I know my purpose? How do I know? And it's like, you know, when your eyes open to the height, the width, the depth, of the love of Jesus, and you step into the knowledge of Jesus, then that unlocks the hope of your calling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we would go to Bible school, as we would do the outreaches, as we would, we were just doing it out of our heart. You know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't have a drive or like an unhealthy drive. Like we're going to be ministers. We, we, we were just being us. That's just one thing about me and Gina that's always been that I can just tell people. Like for us, we've just always authentically, to the best of our ability, you know, out of our love for Jesus, um, do what's just real and authentic to us. You know, and we've been on staffs at churches and we've done, but every time, every move we've made, it's been because we we just felt that was where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. So I didn't go to Bible school to be a pastor. That wasn't even on my grid. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't go to Bible school to get a career. Yeah. You know, um, we went to Bible school because we felt that's where we were supposed to be at that time. Now, did we go on staff at churches? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and was there a time when we thought, oh yeah, it's time for us to be a youth pastor or something? Yeah. But it was always just authentic for us. We were never looking for a, um, a position. Mm -hmm. um, we just were living out our revelation and reality at that time of our lives, mm -hmm. which is how we've ended up doing what we're doing today. You know, because now we've we've had the privilege of. I mean, we, we go into Africa. We go into. South America. I mean, I'm in Brazil. I'll be in Brazil three or four more times this year. Hmm. Um, Indonesia, Europe, <laughs> yeah. wow. and we were just two kids from basically broken homes and had nothing, but we fell in love and we fell in love with Jesus, and here we are. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, at what point do you um, do you feel like you started to realize? Like as far as where God was taking you in ministry, like you know how sometimes people they say they got a prophetic word mm -hmm. that said you're going to go to the nations, you're going to do this, mm -hmm. this, and that, or or they'll just have a vision or a dream or something like that. 
like how did it happen for you as far as where you started to see that there was a certain path that the, the Lord was taking you? Um, there were there were several like you know moments in time. Like there was one time um, a prophet came to our church, and it was really cool because this particular night. Um, this particular night, I hadn't sang or wasn't even doing worship that night. I just attended the meeting, and my wife had been praying privately, hadn't even told me her language of her prayer. And this prophet walked by, and, and this prophet was very uh, mystical, which I love. And she prophesies almost as if she's speaking poetry. So she looks at my wife and she goes, pure hearts, clean hands, they ascend the mountain of the Lord. You know, the Lord says you have his heart. That's what, that's what he said. The Lord says you have his heart. Pure hearts, clean hands, they ascend the mountain of the Lord. And so she melts onto the floor and she's crying and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then she looks at me and she goes, sounds come down, heavenly sounds. Listen for the sounds and write them down. Bam, and she walked away, and I'm like, <laughs> and so, you know, that, amongst many other words, um, I had another prophet give me a word, and then this lady didn't know anything about me, but um, I'm, I am a guy that when the Lord tells me to do something, you know, back in the day, and I knew it was the Lord, man, I was going after it. God told me to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, that that was me. I, I wasn't like a pusher or a um, striving and all that, but I, I'm passionate. If I know God tells me to do something, I go after it, you know. But he did have to break me. You know? So this, this word was, uh, the Lord says you're a wild horse. You just love Jesus, you know. You just want to do for Jesus. Let me go, I got to go for Jesus, I got to go for Jesus. But the Lord had to come up and put a saddle on your back. He had to put spurs on your side. And you screamed and you hollered and you said, let me go, let me go. I got to go for God. And then he put a bit in your mouth. And you allowed him to lead you by still waters and green pastures. So when you duplicated yourself, you wouldn't duplicate someone that was right in the heart and wrong in the head. But you would duplicate someone that was right in the heart and right in the head. And so the Lord started showing us then that there was much more than we even realized that we were, were stepping into, you know. And so many, many words like that would come. I had an African prophet look at me one day and he goes, you, you are a horse rider and you will never stop riding your horse. And I said, well, at least I'm not the horse anymore. You know? <laughs> at, least, at least I made it from being the horse to the horse rider. That, <laughs> and, and on and on, you know, it's like, yeah, but uh, it, it just developed over the years. You know, I know some people have the story where it's like, oh, I knew this is what I, for us, it was always, we're just taking each step. You know, um, the Song of Solomon says, you've ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. And, and Gina and I have lived by that. And what that means is, is every step of, of obedience, you ravish the heart of God. So every step, it's not, it's not, you know, the whole necklace or it's not your whole, it's, it's every step, it's every link. 
one step of obedience and then bam another step of obedience and then ah, God's heart's ravished and another door opens and then and then you you're scared maybe and then you take another step and then all of a sudden he meets you there and you know and it's on and on for us it's been more of a, a journey rather than oh I mean, yeah, I had the moment where I wrote in my Bible, I want to lead worship in nations. But the Lord just put that in my heart. And, you know, it's hard to explain. It was just very pure. I wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. I was just like, okay. And that's how I've always been. I've always been, my wife calls me a red balloon, and she's the little girl holding me on the ground. (laughs) So I've always just been kind of that guy. It's like... You know, I'm out here writing songs and all this, and sometimes she's like, "Okay, we need <laughs> really to take out the trash." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> she keeps it grounded. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> but I've always been a man. That, you know, as far as going to Bible school, I I love to study the Word. I love to study theology. Um, many people have referred to me. I don't, you know. I even had a word that I would uh, be a singing theologian. So, you know, if you look at our lyrics and if you look at our music, our music is a lot different than um, what would be considered, you know, um, stylistically worship. It's jazz, it's blues, it's, it's uh, some of us pretty heavy rock. It's, it's changed over the years, you know, but we, uh, but everything, all of our records, you can see our history of the Lord revealing Himself to us in, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every record has a is is almost a uh, a timeline of, of how the Lord revealed Himself to us in that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you know, everybody has like a um, a point in time where they can typically say, okay, this is when everything changed, mm-hmm. you know, where they say, I walked into this room and then I met this person and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden all these doors were open up and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at what point did that happen for you? Well, there's been several points. Um, so I'm a, let me say the first time, let's say like that. <laughs> the first time where it was like, um, I would call it like a major door that opened up and you could say, wow, this is when something started to happen here in my life Mm. well um (laughs) there's been so many with um (sighs) well we uh which one (laughs) we went to a conference we had been going to brazil and we went and we raised the money and my wife and I and our then our son then was a baby, you know, or a toddler. We went to a conference there called Fire and Glory, Fogel Gloria, mm-hmm. which now my spiritual father, Dan Duke and Marty Duke, um, they started that. And that that's been the uh, the source, if you will, of this amazing worship movement of God in Brazil. Mm-hmm. It started with those meetings. Okay. Gloria. And they would just gather leaders and pastors from all over the nation. And the atmosphere is so tangible with the glory of Jesus. 
and the fire like burns in your bones and once you've encountered that there's no going back <laughs> so we went and we were in the, in the middle of that and we just got marked and it just changed the way we do everything changed the way we look at everything changed the way we think or feel eat changes everything uh, another trip is uh, our first missions trip is when we went to Ghana West Africa okay and uh, I had a we were doing meetings in the streets um, in the mud and dirt and uh, Gina had an encounter and I lived worship and you know we were out dancing and it was fantastic and the pastor did the altar call and the night before um, everyone on the team almost was on the verge of just total lost their breath, depression, how could we really do anything, you know, that kind of thing. It's like there's just so much poverty, there's so much sickness, how can how can we really do anything? And we had this doctor that we refer to, like he's just a statesman, his name is Dr. Eugene, and he looked at everybody and said, only Jesus can change the world. So fast forward to the next night, we're in the meeting, and they had all these rules with how they do altar calls, it's just the culture, so... Um, Everyone came dressed to the nine. I mean, they would have on their best clothes and, and they'd put out benches. And if you're going to take, if you're going to respond to the altar call, the rule is, is you come up and you sit on the bench. Okay. You know, they even had sticks. Like if the kids came out, they'd beat them with a stick, you know. So Gina's, Gina's there and um, all of a sudden she sees off in the distance this man, he's not dressed up nice. He doesn't even have a shirt on, I think, and, and his his pants were ripped and and the Lord audibly spoke to Gina. He said, Gina and she kinda stepped back with her, you know, eyes wide open and she's like, Yes, sir. And and the Lord spoke to her and said do you see that man? And she said, yes, sir. He said, that's my man. And when you've changed his life, you've changed his world. And he fell to his knees in front of her and the Lord allowed her to see his entire salvation take place. Wow. And she said to me, and this marked us the way that we look at everything. She said, Jason, that was the first person I saw in Africa. Hmm. Wow. You know, we went to prisons, yeah. I told you. Yeah. Well, you can be so at the, we're going to save this prison that you can miss the prisoner. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, we're, you know, you can look at Africa, but not see the African. Or you can look at, you know, um, wherever, you know, um, you can have a heart. But if you're not careful, like that lady, stopped for me she she saw me you know and that changed the way we approached everything and then from there encounter after encounter you know we we started going to, to Paraguay we went to Paraguay and we had encounters there but then we got invited to Brazil and then honestly through Brazil is how I ended up doing everything I do I didn't meet any of the people that I know 
so much, um, except for Chris and, and, and the stuff we did with the burn. But like even meeting Heidi Baker, she's my spiritual mom. You know, like I met her from my work in Brazil. You know, it's just again, it's showing up every time you hear the Lord say, "Go somewhere," even if it's crazy. Even if it's crazy, like he will, he will tell you to do some crazy stuff. And I have, I've done some crazy, I still do. <laughs> but you know, it's showing up, it's showing up. And so after I met Heidi and I started going to Mozambique twice a year and teaching in mission schools that, that led us all over the world, we've had the privilege of leading worship and speaking and you know, in conferences with, with Iris and with Heidi and um, all over the world. I mean, South Korea, Jakarta, Indonesia, Micronesia. Uh, I, when we started, the Lord allowed us to, to walk with her and um, she took us everywhere. But we were going everywhere with her. And um, we're still going, you know. <laughs> wow. <That's cool>. Yeah, <laughs> and and even the meeting Heidi, um, it was through Brazil, but it was um, Stacy Campbell had invited me to help her do one of the calls in Brazil, and so I did that, and then from that she invited me to Canada. See, it's like every yeah, step, yeah. and then she invited me to Canada, and so me and Gina like we didn't have anything, and. Um, so we literally raised the money to go to Canada to go to this conference. Um, we were just going to the conference. We weren't going to do anything. But then we got invited to lead worship once we were there. You see, it's like, we again, we were just authentically, okay, the Lord wants us to go. But we got to come up with the money. And then the Lord will provide the money and then we go. It was, it was just every step of, of obedience and every step of leaning into where we felt oil. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's been a crazy, that's why it's hard for me. Like you were yeah, asking yeah, to give I me know. one and I'm like, man, it's like for us, it's been such a crazy, crazy journey. Beautiful, beautiful, crazy journey. <laughs> yeah. So basically it's like saying you can't pinpoint a real this is the moment it's just you just have many moments and you just for, for us. obedient yeah for us i mean it's different for everybody yeah. but but for us it's always been god will tell us to do something crazy mm -hmm. literally and we do it i mean i was cleaning houses bro i i left my position at a church and i started cleaning houses I was offered a position at a really big church, nothing wrong with the church, it just wasn't a right fit. And uh, and people thought we were crazy. And I told my wife, you know, I grew up taking care of my mom, you know, so I, and cleaning, so I said, I'll clean houses and I'll do missions. So I started cleaning houses and doing missions and that's when I met Chris. Okay. Because we had this, uh, we had this minivan, and the Lord told me to start driving up and down the East Coast. <laughs> wow. And going and building relationships and releasing the sound of heaven. Mm. That's how I met Chris wow. over fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. See my point? It's yeah. like I had no. It, it, it was just authentic. It was like 
okay, this is what God said to do. This is what we're going to do. How are you going to do it? I don't know. How are you going to pay for it? I don't know. <laughs> because we we just go where the Lord tells us to go. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I noticed you were saying something about the uh, and then you just go and do what he's saying to mm -hmm. you. But um, as far as like like I heard you say something about raising the money or whatever, but like, mm -hmm. how is it that, because I know I hear that from a lot of people that talk about mm -hmm. raising the money, but I'm wondering like, how was the Lord, because I know there's provision for the vision. Mm -hmm. In the early days when we were young, mm -hmm. you know, we were a part of a church mm -hmm. and you, we, we were kind of the missions pastors. So we helped people, youth, young adults, in, 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 in the church and you know they'll like in those days it was youth missions trips and so yeah you, you help the kids raise the funds and they write letters to their family members and mm -hmm. stuff like that later on that changed for us once we we don't fundraise we live supernaturally mm -hmm. so like my first trip to Brazil crazy I go do this meeting in Jacksonville, Florida, and this lady finds out that I can learn languages. <laughs> um, and so she goes, well, I'm about to go to Brazil. Do you want to go? I said, yeah. So I, I got home and I was telling Gina, and then the very next day, this man whom I had never met in person, we always just called him an angel, he called me and he goes, if you have a trip coming up, I want to finance it. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Wow. There were times when I, because I was cleaning houses and we were working at the church. After we left staff at the church, I still was helping, but I was cleaning houses. And there was one time we had no food, we had no money, we had nothing. And the very next day, I was supposed to fly to Brazil. Mm. Wow. So you know what we did? I told the kids, I said, we're going to see a miracle. And we put on some old school gospel music. Mm -hmm. uh, Donnie McClurkin. Have a talk with Jesus And we started dancing all over our living room. And then at some point, I'm on my face. And out of nowhere, hey, I get a phone call. <laughs> hey, Jason, um, I'm, I'm here at, I'm working at this bookstore. And I was telling the owner about your music and she wanted to know if she could buy 20 of every one of your CDs and this is when you still print CDs I don't mm, even print CDs yeah. now I said absolutely so <laughs> and then I got another phone call and this lady um, says hey Jason I just got into town why don't you come and meet me at the grocery store and so me and Gene and the kids went to the grocery store and this lady filled up several carts of groceries and then after that, someone pulled up to our front door, backed their car up to our front door and said, the Lord just told me to, to bring you all these groceries. All of this happened in the same few hours. Wow. And so we live supernaturally. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, so you know, um, for us, we, we don't, and I'm not saying anything against people that do, because mm. it's, it's, it's where the Lord has you in that season. Mm. Where, where does the Lord have you in that season? Mm. You know, most of the missions work we do, people never even see. 
I mean, we work with um, people in Brazil that are rescuing kids from sex trafficking and from child soldiers. We have taught in schools that are second level mission schools where people don't even plan on coming back alive. They buy one way tickets. Mm. I've led worship in war zones and favelas. I'm about to, in the next few months, hopefully, I'm going to lead worship in the largest favela in South America. It's in Rio. So, what's a favela? It's it's like the dumps where the drug lords run everything. Okay, people is it live kind of like houses. the city of God? Yes. Okay. That's exactly. Okay. That's where I'm going to be. Oh wow. The head okay. drug lord wants to have a day of worship. What? And I said, hey, <laughs> I'll do it. Wow. So see, that's that's why it's hard for sometimes yeah, for me yeah, to yeah, explain yeah. everything yeah. that I do because it's like we we literally we will go and do anything that the Lord wants us to do. Wow. Yeah. And so when they were like, yeah, he he just he wants to have a day of worship and he wants to bake everybody cakes and wow. build a stage, and I said, I'll do it. One of my favorite places I ever led worship was in a witch doctor's house. <laughs> Tell that story. Listen, to this. <laughs> I got I was, yeah, I was in a favela in Brazil, and we were praying for people and sharing the love of Jesus, and um, and all of a sudden, I hear my friends calling me. They go, Pastor Jason. Um, do you want to go to the witch doctor's house? I said, Yes, absolutely. You know, and so we went to the witch doctor's house, and there was a a, a brothel in there as well. We we already had women um, missionaries in there, but there was all these men, you know, doing drugs, waiting to get in. Don't have to say what that was going yeah, on, yeah. but you get it. And um, so we walked into one of the rooms, and there's a song that me and Gina wrote when we were cleaning houses called "You Are Good," but in Brazil, "Tu És Bom." Mm -hmm. And they sing that song all over Brazil. So we walked in. This um, lady was sitting there, whom you could tell she's lived a hard life. And she's just crying. And so we started singing my song. To Espon, to Tonten, to Espon, to Stisestein. She says, you are good. All the time you're good. You know, your mercy endures forever. Um, you are good all the time. You ransomed me from shame. And so we were just singing this over her. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere just got thick. And all those guys ran away. Wow. And she's weeping. Um, they were praying with her. And I know that they always keep up with the girls that they rescue. But that's the kind of stuff. Like That's what we live for. You know, those, those moments, that's, that's what we live for. For people to encounter Jesus and, and, and for our particular life, it always looks different. You know, if people, if they go to my uh, Instagram or Facebook, you'll see a lot of big events. I mean, we do, we've had the privilege of doing soccer stadiums. I, mean, I just did an event a few weeks ago. It was, over 10,000 people and some of the stuff we do in Brazil there's been 60,000 people mm -hmm. but I don't post the other stuff yeah um, and usually I'm only sharing stuff that other people post but I don't post that you know um, because I don't fundraise because I'm not going to use people mm -hmm. you know God will God will 
God brings the increase, and and so we live supernaturally. Wow. So I'm curious about this drug lord situation. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's like really interesting because I think I remember hearing uh, David Hogan say something about yeah. how he had talked to some drug dealers or oh. whatever and some stuff that happened with that. But I'm I'm curious, like. How did this come about? Well, I mean, I, I it hasn't happened yet, and okay. it's not been booked yet, yeah, yeah. but we're trying yeah. to work out the details, but I was just giving you an example. Yeah. But I've been in a favela already. We have uh, a missions base there, and so they play in the missions base. It's this little bitty, little bitty, almost like, not a hut, but it's a really small little house. Mm-hmm. And all the kids that grow up there, you know, it's the culture. They're, yeah. they're, you know, without Jesus, they're brought up to be inspired to... The drug lords are their heroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our friends that are missionaries there, they wanted to give them different heroes. Mm-hmm. So again, and it's a privilege, but in Brazil, people know our music. Yeah. So they play videos of me and our, you know, our worship CD uh, videos and mm-hmm. not just me but many other yeah. people in that place so the kids see us know our music and, and then um, so and then on top of that our missionaries there are going into the dumps every day and they're feeding the poor and they're you know helping the sick and they're bringing education and, and the drug lords are drawn to authenticity it's mm-hmm. like it's unredeemed. Um, it's it's unredeemed. How do we phrase it? Unredeemed justice. Mm-hmm. So they actually protect our people mm. <laughs> because they have a yeah. heart of justice. Yeah. All right, you're taking care of my people. Yeah. I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our missionaries are saying, you know, we want to put you out of business. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're loving my people, but yeah. if you come in there and hurt, yeah, they'll. I mean, they. I, I've heard stories they. Stripped a man naked, tarred him, put him in a tire, burned him to death, and mm-hmm. rolled him through the. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, you know, and, and that's the thing is 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 um. That's what the world needs to see is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Guys like that, man, they see they're you're real. Yeah, they'll talk. Real, to you. recognize real. But yeah, like exactly. It's not, just they're just yeah. they just need Jesus. Yeah. They're walking and they're calling. It's yeah. just unredeemed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they're not called to sell drugs, yeah, but they're yeah, called yeah. to be successful. They're called yeah. to be men of honor and justice. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and you know, and in, in their culture, they're going to honor one another. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that's yeah. how they roll. Yeah. But um, man, once if that's how you're wired, and then you get Jesus, <laughs> amazing thing. Mm-hmm. That. So that's kind of how um, they've just seen what God is doing and he's like, hey, I want to have a, I want to have one of those days where y'all do music. He didn't call it worship. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring your people. And so I said, I'll do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's where we need to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually, because um, I was listening to you talk about how you went into the prisons and I actually went into what we call baby bookings in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they have the teenagers. So they they are seventeen and below, and so mm-hmm. I took I took some guys in there twice, and the guys that I took were artists. So right, you know, I took some Christian rappers, 
and things like that. We went into um, that that place, and the first time when we went in, I think they had about um, 60 kids or something like that. And out of those 60, 35 of them gave their lives to Jesus mm. at the end. And then the second time we went, it was about 50, and about 30 to 35 kids gave their lives to Jesus That's once awesome. again. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations where it showed me, like, especially if you have somebody that's in a situation where, you know, they've gone through whatever they've gone through and then they ended up there and they have no choice other than to listen to you. And then you show them something, like you said, authentic, mm-hmm. real, something that they can say, wow, I didn't realize that, but I'm hearing this and I can see that this is real, this mm-hmm. is authentic. And now they're able to have a moment where without any outside distractions, yeah, yeah, yeah. anything mm-hmm. that's going to make them say, oh, I don't want to listen to that, mm-hmm. and they can just walk away. No, you actually got to sit there because you got the guards around you, mm-hmm. and they brought you here to listen to us. And you're going to have our, we're going to have your attention, mm-hmm. you know. And then the other thing that I noticed in that situation, you probably witnessed this too, is that they were all, for the most part, lacking a father in their life. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I did, both of the times I went there, I made sure at the end that I spoke on the need for a father. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed that when they came up, that a lot of these guys, it was like they were looking for someone to show them love mm-hmm. and someone to embrace them and say, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's the it's the words of a father the touch of a father, the the affirmation of a father that mm-hmm. made a difference in their lives, you know, and so that's one of the biggest things that I've seen mm-hmm. that is a a key mm-hmm. to reaching them because um, years ago the Lord was showing me I was I was living in a neighborhood where there was drug dealers all around, mm-hmm. and this particular day the Lord was speaking to me. He said, you know. The thing that these kids need is a father. Mm -hmm. And so he he directed me. There was a certain one that lived at the end of my block. And the Lord directed me to go speak to him one day. So I was walking around. I was giving out these flyers. And I saved him for last. So as I was leaving his house, because I actually gave him a flyer. And then I walked across the street. And then as I was walking across the street, I said, Hey, you mind if I talk to you about something real quick? And he was like, sure. And I went up there and my whole conversation was about a child and their parent and how they relate. Mm -hmm. And as I was explaining to him about that and I was using his daughter as his example, I said, now just imagine that the Heavenly Father is thinking the same way about you Mm -hmm. that you think about your daughter. Mm -hmm. And after that, all of a sudden tears were streaming down his face oh, man. and I said I basically you know led him to the Lord Amen. right Amen. there and after that you know I started to mentor him and whatnot but I w- I've seen several examples of that and I'm just saying that to say you know um, and that even speaks to what you and I um, you talked about last night about um, the need for men and mm-hmm. strong male models you know, role models mm-hmm. in, in this generation that we're in and in this time. And I really, I feel strongly about that too. I've always felt like there's something about 
um, that God has put in me about reaching men mm -hmm. and, and having them to be those strong leaders that we need to be able to mm -hmm. lead this generation, especially that we're in now with all the perversion and everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just saying that to say that what you're doing is like, I mean, that's exactly what's needed, you know, and it, it inspires me to see that God is opening up those doors yes, for you to go in there and to impact those kind of people. Because many times that I've seen and I've dealt with uh, drug dealers specifically, mm -hmm. I've noticed, like you said, it's about the respect, the honor, those kind of things that if they see that you come to them with that kind of a disposition, mm -hmm. even though you're not in their world, so to speak. Right. But if they see that you're coming with that type of disposition, then it causes them to be mm -hmm. more like open to you. And it's the thing, you know, here's the here's the thing is it's love with no hooks. Exactly. You know, and I think when people see that, like, you know, I why are you doing this? Because we love. But what, what, what are you going to get out of it? I don't want anything out of it. You going to try to get me to come to your church? No. You going to try to get me? No. What if we just started loving people mm -hmm. and they encountered Jesus through that? And we have no hooks. I'm not doing this to get you to do this or do this. And, and I'm telling you, that's the key to all the stuff. That's the key to, you know, reaching, because think about it, maybe the drug dealers again, okay, well, how have they been brought up? They're doing what they were brought up to do. They've been indoctrinated that that's yes. their only hope. So if, we, as the church, we've made the mistake of going in and accusing them mm -hmm. and beating them down yeah. rather than calling them up. Yeah. See yeah. the difference? Yeah. It's like, if I go in and I love with no hooks, what's up, man? When I, when I was in that favela, they were they were actually selling drugs, and you know what? And then and I woke up saying, and, you know, through joy, and you're like, hey, how you doing? He's like, what's up, Pastor? Yeah. Pray for me. And I said, okay, I pray for him. And then they'd sell more drugs. And they'd say, will you pray for me again? And I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, like, go in pointing the finger. I went in calling them up, being, you know, I've kind of said this before, and, and, and what I mean by this is we're in the image of God, with, you know, being Jesus with skin on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Exactly. And if I come in with love with no hooks and show mm -hmm. honor and love and just be a man, or, or if you're a woman, you can be a woman. Like, even in that scenario, like we were ministering to the drug lords, and then the women were ministering to the prostitutes. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone walking and the beauty of who God's called them to be mm. is restoring dignity and giving honor and restoring innocence. Mm. And when they taste, they taste the real thing. When they really taste like real, real, tangible love. Yeah. Not what we've made it. Yeah. But like, there's substance to that. There's kindness to that. There's patience to that, man. I tell you, I, I don't know. Like, that's what I want to. That's that's what Gina and I and our kids and our house and um, the God breed. We ordained Chris and Bethany last night. It's like 
man, that's what we, that's where our heart is. And if that means I go to a favela, great. If that means I go to a war zone, great. If that means I go to a conference, those people, like people beat up conferences and beat up the church. I don't, I'm like, no, they need, they need a touch too. See, everybody's yeah. been a, if everybody would just quit accusing each other yeah. and beating each other down, they're calling each other up. Mm -hmm. So I'll go anywhere. I'll do, I'll do the conference. Uh, <laughs> I'll go to the bush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do, yeah. I'll go to the prison. I don't, I like, I don't care because mm -hmm. what true love does is cover. Yeah. You know, I said this last night, Joseph of Arimathea, when Jesus had become sin and was hanging on the cross, naked, covered in spit and blood and probably urine and feces and everything, mm -hmm. in its worst state, Joseph of Arimathea said, give me the body. And it says that he covered it, he washed it, he anointed it, and then it, he gave it his grave. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing for the drug lords, for all the stuff going on in the world right now. Too many to list, right? Yeah. What if we, as sons of God, did that? Everything would change. Everything. You know, the one thing that you said that I'm really um, also, it, it makes me think about some other things right now. Like, we already know that right now we got some situations going on in America where there's mm -hmm. ethnic type of things happening that's really disturbing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm curious, like, I know you grew up in the South, and um, I'm just curious, like, for you, like, where, how did you grow up in such a way where I guess you could say you were accepting of all people? Um, I, well, I went, with the school that I went to, you know, we had all different ethnicities. Um, and of course, obviously, I was a rapper, so I, I got yeah. bum rushed a few times because okay. I was considered the white rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't care. Um, I don't know. I've just always been that way. You know, we are both of our children are biracial. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so we. Uh, I can't say there's a particular moment. It was just maybe even it was just the neighborhood I grew up in. Like, mm -hmm. I guess that's what it is. I don't know. Um, I've just never never looked at the world that way yeah yeah so you're in um, my church that i went to was also a very beautifully mixed church i mean we had white black hispanic everything i mean we had people from other nations yeah it was very a nation's church mm -hmm. so you know i started off singing black gospel mm -hmm. believe it or not more gospel music than i did like christian contemporary or, or christian rock mm -hmm. um yeah so I've just always, and it probably maybe is because I'm a musician too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I came up listening to the greats, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, that's just how we've always So speaking of um, your your children, mm -hmm. um, are they adopted or? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. We adopted two. Okay. My son's 18 now and mm -hmm. my daughter's 15. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's Josiah and Faith, right? Mm -hmm. I heard... Um, Regina, I don't know if she was just, I don't know if this was something she was saying, like, 
I don't know, but she was like Faith Tuesday, I think I heard yeah, her say. her name is Faith Tuesday. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, um, what, what was it that inspired you to adopt? Oh, um, well, she, uh, we had gone to Paraguay, South America, and our, we raised shoes and we'd go to the streets and wash the children's feet and give them socks and shoes. Mm-hmm. We decided that encounter, we just, I think we, we both had known we'd always adopt, you know. Um, and so the week that we wrote Paraguay saying that we wanted to adopt, pardon, Josiah was born in Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. And so we had this spirit-filled mama who would go and rescue babies from the hospital mm-hmm. that were drug babies. Mm-hmm. And um, she'd pray in tongues and then God would tell her who the parents are. And so she would call you, mm-hmm. I have your child. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, yeah, so after that, we fostered to adopt. We fostered to adopt and it took us a little over two years to adopt Josiah because the foster to adopt, you know, you have to wait a process. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and then we got the call about Faith Tuesday. And so she's a miracle baby. He's, he was born blind and God healed him. And wow. Faith Tuesday was born. They were going to do open heart surgery on her and wow. God healed her. And <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, man, that's powerful. Yes, sir. So. I know that um, we're going to wrap it up soon, but um, what is it that you are currently doing and where do you see God taking things as far as where you feel that God is taking your your ministry and things of that nature? Well, in this season, the Lord is revealing a lot to us, to me, um, to my wife. Um, We're in a time of my mom just passed away. Um, Sorry to hear I that, took care of her for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I've never known life without taking care of her. That's, mm-hmm. that's something crazy new. Yeah. Um, I've always taken care of her. Yeah. We just spent the past two years living on a farm, which was beautiful, but it also had its difficulties in the sense of Gina was driving 800 to 1,000 miles a week to take my daughter to school. And, oh, wow. So we just moved back into a house. This is all during the pandemic. Um, uh, also, another podcast, like, you know, I'm still yeah. I'm free, cancer-free, but I went through stage 4 B throat cancer. Yeah. 35 radiation treatments, 6 chemo treatments, and so I'm still healing from that. Okay. So we're in this uh, turning of the page, if you will. Again, we, we are those that I describe as wind walkers we, we walk in the wind mm-hmm. and my schedule is booked full the rest of this year with all stuff the wind brought me to mm-hmm. you know um, relationships I pour into relationships I believe that's what we need so I'm spending a lot of my time going places being with people loving on them supporting them and then um we just released two records. They're you know they're on all the different platforms. Jason Lee Jones. Um, one's an instrumental. One's like a jazz rock prophetic album. Mm-hmm. So next year we're going to record live again, which I'm excited about that. Um, and hopefully we're going to record live again in Brazil. We continually keep writing music. Uh, 
from what the Lord is speaking in this season and just releasing that sound over the nations. Um, yeah, so um, just keep on keeping on. Yeah, man. I don't have any, uh, you know, the thing is, is it was with me. You just flow with I, I And that's scary to some people. Yeah. But, and, and God doesn't do everybody that way. It's yeah, just how yeah. it, it, he deals with everybody different with mm-hmm. me. That's how it always is. And then he'll all of a sudden give me this download and then bam, we hit it, you know? And then sometimes it's utter total dependence on the wind. I can only do what I see him do and I can only say what I hear him say. Um, And that's really how I live my life. (laughs) So listen, man, I know we got to wrap it up for this Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. We're going to definitely have to do another one. Mm-hmm. Man, it was good having you on here. It's a privilege, bro. We're going to definitely be in touch. Yes, build, we're together. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is, but I remember like last night when we were talking and you were saying how you felt like you knew me from somewhere and I mm-hmm. felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is her, Why does his wife look so familiar to me? He looked, mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is one of those things that I feel like that's an indication. Of oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like when God make someone like it's like you've met them before mm-hmm. you know so man i'm definitely glad that i had you on here today oh, it's a privilege and, um so as far as um uh if you want to do you want to share any kind of like contact information or like how people can follow you or hey, you can go media, to um, um jason underscore lee underscore jones on instagram jason lee jones on facebook and there's a link tree there to all the music and okay like in the in the info there's a link tree there or just jasonleejones.com and okay. there'll be a link tree there too so okay. people can follow find messages find uh, we actually have a podcast we haven't updated it in a while but it's got okay. some powerful messages on okay. there we have a we have a YouTube channel, we have everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds Just search good, Jason Lee Jones. <laughs> All right, man. Well, All right, thank brother. you again for being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Once again, you've been listening to New Numa Godcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to the New Numa Godcast once again. This is your host, Norm. Follow me at Norm the Professor on IG. I'm in agreement for power and breakthrough in your life. Keep tuning in every week for that real talk, new life.